You're listening to Show Me Your Mic, a show that interviews other podcasters about their workflows, gear, and thoughts on podcasting. Your host is Chris Enns, a podcaster who's hoping to learn more about the craft by talking to fellow broadcasters. All right. Hello. Welcome to Show Me Your Mic. And uh, as the intro voice guy said, my name is Chris Enns. I'm the host here. And uh, if I'm a little flustered, it's because we've, I've just spent half hour fighting with podcasting equipment, with recording equipment. So uh, such is life with podcasting, I guess. Audio gear. I'm nodding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes. that's uh, the voice you hear is my guest for this week, who is coming to me from Brooklyn. Brooklyn, right? Yes, yes. correct. Anna Resquet-Paz, who is... Nice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're going to throw me off anytime I... From now on, it's just Anna. (laughs) Now I got over that one. (laughs) No, she's the online media editor at Annual Reviews, where she hosts the Conversation Series, a podcast that interviews authors about their careers and articles. And uh, what she's teasing me about is that I was terrified of mispronouncing her name. And so luckily, or maybe I planned it for half an hour there just to stall while I (laughs) silently (laughs) rehearsed your last name. Uh, As anybody who's listened to the show knows that I continually mispronounce people's names despite practicing and rehearsing so welcome to the show Anna thank you thank for- you very much thanks for having me it's a <laughs> pleasure to be here yes and well, thank you for not massacring my name <laughs> it's true because it's very hard to pronounce yes <laughs> it's actually not that bad but uh I just get a nervous tick in my brain or some sort of tick in my <laughs> brain where I just I know how to pronounce it and then I think about it no that's they think like no that's the wrong way and then just comes out football or something. I don't know. <laughs> so um, <laughs> you're you're coming to this show or to this series of, sh- of interviews, I guess, with a little bit different background than a lot of the other guests I've had on. In that, most of the guests, I'm trying to don't. Uh, I'm not going to list or mentally can't think of every single of the previous 28 guests, but um, are sort of your typical, I guess, podcasting about a little hobby. Uh, mm-hmm. Or big hobby as it may be, but you know something that they kind of just some nerd love of theirs or whatever, uh, right. or a business marketing kind of podcast. And yours is a little more um, like obscure in terms of like um, not the traditional uh, what people think of when podcasting, but it's actually sort of where podcasting I think has been moving for a while, and we kind of keep hearing like podcasting is on the rise and <laughs> and then yeah. it dies and then it comes back again. Apparently, even though the rest of us just keep going, so. Um, Maybe just talk a bit about what your what the show is or the conversation series um, that you do right now, what it is and, and why you love doing it. Yeah, um, so I actually started doing this thing. So now I'm a full-time, you know, I work full-time for annual reviews, but the, the way that I got in was by um, doing a few of these shows, a few of these episodes um, as a freelancer. And it's a science podcast. Um, it's really great because we have access to... Um, an immense and um, really high quality pool of scientists and academics, you know, um, who write for us. Um, So we invite them to write and um, they cover topics that um, are as varied as, you know, um, astronomy um, and sociology, um, biochemistry. So it's really, really fairly broad. I think we at this point we have like 46 different types of journals. And um, we get them to talk either about uh, their article or, you know, their, their, their focus, their, spe- their, their specialty in science and uh, how it relates to current events. 
Um, or we talk about, you know, their life and career, uh, what led them to, to become um, the professionals and, and the researchers that they've become. And uh, I'll cover, you know, issues that are dear to their heart. So, um, so it's, it's really, really, really interesting. It's, it's, um, it's interesting, a lot more personality oriented, um, than it, than it sounds. Um, and, um, I've, I've, you know, had the pleasure to geek out on, on, on things like plant biology and, uh, political science. And it's, it's, it's been, it's been a lot of fun to do that. And, you know, these guys are also at a stage in their career where, um, they, they've already proven everything that they need to prove. And so they're very relaxed, very accessible, um, surprisingly, um, fun to talk to. So you get a lot of interesting anecdotes and, you know, it's kind of cool. Yeah. So it's, you're sort of pushing beyond just, you know, recite your article for us or whatever, and, oh. you know, the audiobook version of, <laughs> of the yeah. article kind of idea, right? Yeah. Yeah. We, we try, we try to kind of, uh, let their personality shine through a little bit. Um, you know, and, and try and tie it to get them to comment on whatever is happening, um, you know, in the world at a given time. So we had we had a guy talk about, um, you know, the history of um, LGBT people just at a time when um, President Obama was was um, coming out as a supporter of of those rights um, here in the United States. And, you know, like we got him to comment about it. We got him to talk about how he thinks it's going to go from here. And um, we also had plant biologists talk about, um, you know, GMOs, you know, just the this kind of big, 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 big issue, probably more so in Europe than it is here. Uh, but this resistance to, to um, genetically modified organisms and, and, and crops and, 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 you know, get them to talk about why, why the anti-science mentality has to stop in those respects. So it's, it's, it's pretty great. It's pretty fun. Yeah, and so backing up a bit, I guess, for you, you got your start, you're a journalist by trade and training. That's right. So where did you, mm -hmm. I'm assuming, where did you get your training in journalism? Well, so I'm, I, went to, um, I went to university in France. Um, I, I studied, um, you know, finance um, and international finance at the time. And uh, I have no idea what I, why I did that. I, you know, I, I was, I think I was trying to veer into something that nobody in my family really knew about <laughs> because I think I was the first one to do that um, in my family. I come from a long line of teachers um, and linguists. And um, so, yeah, so that, that, that kind of like came out of nowhere. And when I got there, I was like, mm, this is all very interesting, but I would like to go back to something closer to writing. And after a couple of years of, you know, wondering what to do, I, I moved to London in the UK and I got myself hired by Bloomberg, Bloomberg News. So I just kind of got to combine what I studied with what I wanted to do, which was, uh, which was right. And, um, and yeah, so I got most of my training at Bloomberg News. I started when I was about 24 years old and they basically taught me everything I need to know. I needed to know it's, you know, it's like, it's, it's a great school for reporting. I mean, when it comes to writing, you know, it's a very kind of dry set way of doing it. But when it comes to kind of sticking to the facts and being accurate, um, Bloomberg for that was, was absolutely fantastic. And I worked for them for about six years until I, I moved to San Francisco. And so as part of that, were you doing, um, like the interview 
type of stuff or is it more like just researching facts and, and sort of reporting on the news less? Um, you know what I'm getting right. at is like sort of yeah, yeah. where you ended up now versus where you started. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it's inter- interestingly, I actually started at Bloomberg News as um, as a producer, as what we call there a segment producer. So I was in charge of producing interviews um, for. I started with the Spanish channel of Bloomberg TV, and progressively I moved on to um, the European channel, so the English language channel that covers Europe. And so I did start with with that, with which I think you know has really shaped how how I see things. Um, so what you do is, you know, you, f- you find probably the, 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 the right source for whatever topic you're trying to discuss. And then you just kind of research the topic to come up with a list of questions and, uh, you brief, um, your anchor, you brief your guest, um, and then you get them on camera. Um, and it, you know, it, it's, it's a really kind of interesting exercise because I think, I mean, I can't, I can't stress how important it is to, to ask good, good question. And it's a really difficult thing to do too. So I think, I think that really shaped a lot of, of how I see journalism now. Um, and after that, I moved on to the print side of Bloomberg News where I covered um, bonds and currencies. <laughs> I know, it's really boring. <laughs> but, you know, it was the, kind of the same principle. Like a lot of the stuff that we did was research facts and, and figures and, and, and get our sources to, um, to discuss those things with us and explain it to us or just kind of shed light on, on some of those things. So, so Bloomberg is, it, you know, the format of the whole thing, you know, is, is very, very geared toward um, letting facts and, and, and people talk. And so just getting back to the, like when you're producing shows with where mm-hmm. you're the, you're not the one asking the questions necessarily, you're handing your questions over to an anchor, let's say, or um, those that kind of situation, which to me, I'm, you know, I come at it probably backwards and a lot of podcasters would be sort of the amateur hobbyists who just, you know, Mm-hmm. start doing this because they want to talk to people that are interesting and but maybe I've never actually taken any like myself taken any sort of professional hopefully hopefully it's not too <laughs> obvious but I haven't taken any sort of professional journalism or you know training on questions as I ramble on probably mm-hmm. too long for what a question is supposed to be etc um, but yeah handing questions or a list of questions or topics over to an anchor as opposed to just being able to do it yourself would you was it sort of like a uh, exercise in sort of frustration where you'd see and I guess it would depend on the quality of the anchor too but um so yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I totally see what you're saying. I think it really depends. It really depended on the anchor. It also depended on the amount of time that that, you know, that we spent with with the guest. Um, the interesting thing about Bloomberg is that everything is really integrated. So TV works very closely with print. And so we would, you know, we would get input from print. Um, and sometimes, you know, if the questions that they really wanted to, to see answered um, uh, on camera, didn't get answered, what we would do is, you know, talk to the guests before or after um, and make sure that we got, we got that taken care of and then send those questions or send those answers at least to, to the print reporter. Um, sometimes print people would come down and, and, and meet the guests themselves and, and do that themselves. So, I mean, I think it really depends. We've, we've, got, we've got anchors. We had at least, we had anchors who who were very, very good at, at, at preparing, at understanding, you know, the kinds of, of news we're trying to break. And, you know, um, others who either didn't have the time to do it or, you know, didn't, didn't get, you know, didn't get um, enough time to prepare or, or, you know, who just simply 
thrown in at the last minute and, and, and had to figure it out as they went. So, we, you know, it really, it really depends, but as, as much as possible, we try to, we try to make sure that, that those questions got answered. But there were, it's true that there were some times when you're like, you're shouting in front of your monitor going, come on, you know, it's like, <laughs> that is not at all how I would have asked that question. So yeah. it's, it gets, you know, it gets interesting. Yeah. And that's, um, so moving forward, I guess, and, uh, not that we have to do a complete career review of you, but like you're, <laughs> you, uh, you had moved to San Francisco and, um, at some point in there and eventually you were the founding editor in chief at the evening edition, which is a sort of a web news daily mm-hmm. news. Um, yeah. I keep wanting to say print, but like, a, at 5 PM at the end of the day, they put out a basically report of sort of the top stories of the day. Um, and we have an email form, uh, which is mm-hmm. done by Mule uh, Mule Design yep. in San Francisco. Um, but now moving into what you're doing with annual reviews, um, the, the sort of preparing questions and sort of now getting to just like, I'm presuming anyways, or assuming you do mm-hmm. your own research and then you get to you get to ask the questions. Or is there still a bit of a handoff where you aren't always doing the interviews and, and things like that? Or, or so for the... For the podcast, I do the interviews myself. We also have a video series where um, scientists interview scientists. But for the podcast, I do that. I do all of that myself. So what I try to do is, yes, I mean, um, I do all of my research. I, I, I read the articles that we have published, but I also read um, research that they've published for other publications just to see, you know, where, you know, what they're up to and, 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 and all that stuff. I just to kind of try and keep um, keep abreast of, of what they're doing. And then, um, so for a lot of these things, you know, it's, it's fairly easy because the articles are fairly general and, you know, they, they do a good job of explaining why something is important and, you know, why it should be talked about. But, um, others can get extremely technical. So for those, I read an article, you know, from like one to three times. And then I, you know, I, I, I call them and I confirm with them, that I understand the science behind all of it. And, you know, sometimes I just kind of like, so if I ask you this question like that, does that make sense to you? And, you know, I just kind of a quick pre-interview just to make sure that I'm getting it right, that they're comfortable answering it. And, um, and, you know, just kind of getting ready for recording because the fact is that I'm not a scientist, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm really a journalist trying to figure it out. Um, and so, you know, one of the good tricks for that is like, just explain it to me like I'm two years old. Like, just why, why is this important? Why, why should I understand this? Why should anybody understand this? And they tend to be extremely accessible and pleased that, you know, somebody with kind of a more general background is taking an interest in it and making it accessible to, to a broader audience. Um, they tend to really enjoy that. Yeah, and probably some, especially as you get more obscure in the topics or whatever, then they're oh, probably yeah. even more interested that somebody's just, or more keen on the fact that somebody is just asking questions about <laughs> whatever yeah. the, you know, the topic might be. But yeah, that was actually something I, was, I wanted to ask you, though, is like preparing for interviews with, you know, really, really smart people, you can, and, and, uh, and or like socially awkward folks who do maybe don't want to talk like they're maybe good at, at um, writing out what, <laughs> as I fumble over my words, <laughs> writing out what they want to, and what they have ideas in their head about mm-hmm. but then actually talking about it sometimes you can it's not something they're as good at and so um how do you get to do you just sort of decide who you're interviewing the topics or is it kind of chosen and you you kind of follow the flow of of the, the articles that are being written and stuff like that well i mean it, it kind of depends like some sometimes we get suggestions that come up and um and we try to make the most of it um and sometimes you know sometimes i see a topic that i like and i i just call them myself the pre-interview is a good time to kind of figure that out um 
to kind of see how much editing is going to have to happen, you know, um, how many questions I should have and, and, and how much, you know, how, sh how I should pace them. So it's, it really like, this is, this is a, the printer is a really good way to, to, to figure out who it is that I'm talking to and, um, and make sure that they're entirely relaxed. I think, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure you've, you've, you've noticed this. I don't know if, I mean, you're interview podcasters, so you probably deal with people who are fairly comfortable in front of a microphone. Um, I don't know if, if it's the case all the time, but I find that the pre-interview in the case of people who aren't used to talking um, kind of like a media environment at, uh, really, really helps to get them at ease and, you know, to, to make them feel like, like it's okay. And another trick is, you know, I, I'm, I tend not to be afraid to interrupt them <laughs> um, because some, some, some answers can go on forever. But, you know, it's, yeah. it's kind of like the trick of it's, it's, the, it's the trick anywhere you go. Like you'll have answers that will be monosyllabical and you have to work around that. And then you'll have people who will talk for hours and you have to, you know, interrupt them all the time. Just work with it. It's a, it's a good exercise, though. I, I, you know, I kind of enjoy it. Yeah. Well, that's that's yeah, it's definitely it's fun to do this. And I, I do have the built in advantage of, of talking with folks who by na by their nature of being on a podcast, presumably <laughs> are enjoying talking. And, and yeah, probably I run into the problem of more having to interrupt than having to, you know, stop or um, fill in space when they just give a one word answer. But um, uh, yeah. What was I going to say there? The no, <laughs> doing the fumbling around, but uh, the uh, yeah, preparing for interviews by doing a, a pre-show interview or a pre uh, what was the word you used? Um, a pre, just a pre-interview. Yeah. It's like just a quick chat before you know, right. The actual thing, which is something I think maybe podcasters in general, because uh, we could at times like it's it's sort of by na by its nature it's supposed to be kind of casual and less professional and and all those mm -hmm. kinds of things and that's kind of the the appeal of it and the attraction in that it's not the evening news or whatever like um whereas but sometimes i think yeah having that option to do a, a pre-interview either because of someone sort of getting a gauge for how well they are going to talk about something especially if they're not familiar with doing podcasting or to get over, I find anyways, for me, with often with guests, if I can chat with them a little bit beforehand, like even like you and I did or whatever, mm -hmm. then it helps o overcome a bit of those pre-show kind of jitters if it's yeah. someone maybe a peer that you've looked up to or like in your case, I would imagine like a like a really smart person or, or whatever or a famous person, infamous person, you kind of get over that hump of having that first conversation and it's not the recording or whatever. That's often yeah. can help the interview, the actual interview go a lot better, I find, so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, coming out of your like the the training that you've had at, at like Bloomberg and and your schooling and, and things like that, what um, sort of jumping off of that, I guess, with podcasting, how much of what you might have learned in the traditional sort of media realm do you think um, podcasters could learn? Is there other things that maybe you hear? I don't know how many podcasts you are, you listen to yourself, but sort of see or hear going around that folks could maybe pick a up few. on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's, I think, I think, um, I, you know, I think what, what, one of the things that I would say in, you know, just kind of moving away from the interview format when we're talking more about the, the back and forth between, um, between two people or more, I think one of the things that, that, that could be useful is to script things a little bit more. I know there's, there's kind of, there's been um, a trend to kind of go towards things that are freewheeling, you know, that, you know, where spontaneity is, is, is kind of prized. Um, but one of the things that people tend to forget is that a lot of the stuff that sounds really spontaneous on the radio really isn't. It really, really isn't. 
And um, scripting is a good exercise because it, you know, it really helps you think about structure. Um, it really helps you to kind of um, make sure that you're not going to miss any, any topic that you want to touch on. Um, it also uh, makes it easier to keep it contained, you know, not to kind of go on for, for a very long time and, 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 and lose your listeners along the way. Um, I, th- I find that a lot of, of new shows have, have actually been trying to do that a bit more, <clears throat> which, is, which is nice. Um, but, you know, a lot of these shows should involve a lot of preparation or at least, you know, a minimal amount of preparation. Um, and, and, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't be spontaneous, that you can't have moments of surprise and, and laughter. Um, but it's, it's good to be able to, to plan to plan ahead and, and, and to think in terms of, of structure, mm-hmm. if not, you know, write every word that you want to say, <laughs> at least just, you know, it's like, this is something I want to touch on and I'll spend a couple of minutes on that. And this is something else I want to touch on and I'll, may, I'll spend maybe five minutes on that, you know, so just, just yeah. have a little segments like that and, 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 you know, it makes the back and forth a lot more, um, a lot tighter. Yeah. And that's actually something with, with the way that you do your interviews. Um, and yeah, it, I think this applies to both, like you said, to the sort of freeform chat conversation style versus a you know, one-on-one or whatever interview style. But how do you actually prepare for <clears throat> interviews in terms of, um, you know, the research and all that aside, the actual, like when you're conducting your interview with somebody, what are you looking at and how do you have it sort of scripted or, or written out for yourself, your notes? So I, yeah, I have, um, what I script out is basically the intro and the outro. Um, and I, you know, I just, I make sure that, you know, the introduction, the, you know, the way that I present the person, all of that is, is, is scripted out. Um, and then I have a list of questions, but I keep an eye. I mean, this is one of the things that are hard to do in, in formal interviews, like listening, listening to the answer so that you can bounce off of something and, and make sure that you're not missing an important bit of information that, you know, your guest should be expounding on. Um, but one of the things that I do is I write up the questions and, um, I kind of organize them by, by large topics, just so I make sure that each topic is covered, even though I haven't formulated that question in, in a certain way. And, um, keep, you know, I keep, I keep a pen at hand where I, I scratch out questions, um, if the guest answers it, um, ahead of time or, you know, just to make sure that, that there's no repeats, just to make sure that it, the conversation sounds, sounds, um, sounds natural, which I know sounds kind of contradictory, but it really, really isn't. Yeah. Well, that's often, I know what I come up against too, and this show is, you know, and it's happened in here and I should have maybe made a note in case we talked about it, (laughs) but, uh, (laughs) but that idea of, you know, I have stuff that I've wanted to ask you and you've already answered it. So it would kind of sound, it would sound kind of silly for me now to be like, and so talk to me about, you know, moving to San Francisco or whatever, when we've right. already covered that and, <laughs> you, and, you know, sticking to the script so rigidly that I can't really adapt. Mm-hmm. And what's, um, any tricks or tips you, or advice you'd have to give on that idea of, because uh, this is one I struggle with and, and I've struggled with it already in this podcast where, you know, I'm trying to listen to what you're saying and mm-hmm. make sure that there's not something to bounce off of, like you said, and, and sort of, you know, go back and forth on versus it yeah. being a sort of a topic ending uh, discussion where you just sort of end it and it's not that it's flat, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's obviously done and we need to move on. And so now I need to have the next topic ready in, right. at hand. And, uh, yeah. Any tips that you've come across there in your, 
Well, I mean, you know, I, I just the way that I do it, I tend to be, I tend to be really, really, really prepared. I, I, I tend to kind of learn my questions not by heart, but at least the order. Um, I, I know, I know exactly. Like I've, you know, I've, I've asked them. I gone over them. I, I, you know, I have them very strongly in mind. Um, and as you say, you know, when you come to a, to the end of a topic, uh, then be ready with the next one uh, right away. So just so we like, you know, just kind of don't be afraid of, of, of making really kind of um, harsh transitions because that can always be fixed later on. And, and, and um, you know, and, and, and it's the way, like, just think of, of how a conversation goes um, normally. Like, you know, you jump from topic to, to topic without giving it too much thought. But what I would say is um, try and always stay um, attentive to the little thing that the, the, your guest said just kind of offhand. It sounds kind of, you know, oh, it's obvious or whatever to him. And, and, and you're like, no, no, but there's something there. Like, what more can you tell me about this? Um, so it's, it's, it's like your brain is doing about two, two things at the same time. <laughs> but... But it's, you know, it, it, it kind of helps you um, move the conversation along. Um, it's like, okay, so, so thank you for answering this, but you just said this and that. Can you tell me more about it? Because it sounds really interesting. Um, and follow your own curiosity as well, you know? Like, there's a certain number of topics that you have to cover just because of the, the, the structure and the, and the shape of your show. But, you know, just make sure that you listen in just so that you can have those little moments of, of fun and, whoa, that was so weird. Can you please tell me more about this? Right. <laughs> Which is, uh, yeah. do you do you get those opportunities with your guests where you're, like maybe, I'm trying to think of a good example off the top of my head, but, you know, it's sort of like what we did where, I mean, it, it ended up happening this way because the computer was crashing on me and we ended up talking for a long time, <laughs> way longer than I normally would with guests. And so, which is kind of fun. Obviously, it makes this, the interview portion, even easier to do because we've talked about a bunch of stuff already. But, right. Um, do you have that opportunity where you, you know, you have somebody who's uh, maybe they're on to talk about, um, well, like you were saying, like uh, genetically modified crops mm-hmm. or whatever, but then you're, you also know that they're, they happen to be this other thing, expert in this other area or interested in this other area. Are those, are your shows kind of like edited quite tightly or do you kind of get ex- opportunities to sort of just expand uh, a bit? I do, I do get, a, you know, I do, I do get opportunity. I try to kind of stick to a certain length because uh, it is my, my understanding that, you know, it's easy to kind of tune out after a while. Um, I mean, it's, it's, you know, listening to something is, is actually quite a demanding exercise. Um, and this is something that everybody should bear in mind. Like, you know, podcasts are demanding on listeners because, um, after a certain time, you know, attention just kind of naturally drifts off. So I try to keep it within 20 minutes, 25 minutes to half an hour. Um, but if there's something fun that's happening, I absolutely, absolutely let it let it roll. Because um, if an anecdote is interesting, if you know, if if something is is fun and 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 I know will keep um, attention going, then I absolutely use it. It's it's part of the reason we do this. It's to kind of add that color, that personality to, you know, very formatted scientific articles. So, so yeah, like. I don't know, like, I remember geeking out with this guy. Um, man, I can't remember his name right now. But, it, you know, it was really funny because he was telling me about those little kind of balls that are formed at, 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 the, at the roots of, um, of a certain kind of, of, um, of, of 
bean like bean plant that you know that are are made of i mean it's such geeking out but it's it, i don't know why it was just so much fun to talk about it and 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 there's like a, you know those little balls contain bacteria that that produce nitrogen for the plant to feed the plant and 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 you know we just kind of went on to talking about um the evolution of that plant like where it came from and how we can harness this this knowledge to to produce even more nitrogen like can we you know can we like just and do you go into like things like how do we feed the planet well could we harness bacteria to make more nitrogen for these things and you know just spent like half an hour geeking out about that that was bizarrely a lot of fun for me <laughs> <laughs> well, is that uh, i'm just looking at the list of interviews that would that be uh, nevin young perhaps that's it okay. that's him absolutely yes that was him <laughs> So I'll put that, that was him. in the show notes in case you want to also geek out with Anna and about, <laughs> about that, um, which you can find if you're listening. This is at uh, this podcast is produced or put out by, at sskTn.com and uh, look for the show me your mic logo and uh, Anna's smiling face will be. I think you're smiling or maybe you're sternly looking scientific. sternly smiling. Yeah, <laughs> sternly <laughs> smiling in the picture you sent. So uh, it's episode 29 of, of Show Me Your Mic, um, and now I'm. Uh, after all that, I'm woefully unprepared for the next question. Actually, where I wanted to go was sort of stepping back into a bit of the gear stuff, and, uh, and I know we have mm-hmm. to run pretty soon here. But uh, um, oh. you you had mentioned in the pre-show or when we were talking that you're kind of like you'd moved and you haven't quite got your gear sort of set up the way that you had it once um, when you, yeah. before you moved. And so, what are you doing? I guess in the meantime, and, and do you know sort of what's some of the mic and hardware that you're using or plan to use to record the shows? Yes. Oh yeah, I mean, so I for 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 all of this, I have to credit um, Caleb Sexton, who is fifty um, percent of uh, Mule Radio, in fact, and you know he does a lot of um, kind of the the editing background and the organizing of the shows, and you know he he's a good friend um, who who knows a lot about this stuff, and he actually is the one who set me up with 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 all of this, so. Um, I record right now I'm recording on a, or you're recording me <laughs> while I speak into a, uh, Rode Pro- Procaster mic. Um, and, uh, I normally, yeah, so I normally have a setup. I have, um, a mixing table that's sitting in a corner right now because I'm in, I'm working from home now. I used to work in Palo Alto. Uh, I had my own office and I had a setup in that office that Caleb came to visit a few times and, you know, helped me, helped me set it up. But since I moved, I haven't really been able to do any of it. And Caleb is coming to visit uh, towards the end of September, so I'm very excited. And I think I'll, I'll, um, if at all possible, I'll, I'll, I'll get him to look at that for me. Um, but yeah, so like a couple of those mics, um, um, a couple of Sony MDR seventy five oh six headphones. Um, the the Firewire mixer is a Mackie Onyx sixteen twenty I. That's the same one I'm using. That there you go. I don't think it was the mixer that caused problems for me at all. I'll, I'm going to throw logic under the bus on on this one, but it's sometimes logic. Mackie, but anyway. Yeah. Um, and uh, so yeah, and so like I also have a portable recorder for on-site interviews, which is a Roland um, R26 that I love, that I wish I could use more. Why is that? Uh, because I don't know. I love it. I just love it. Okay. I, I love using it. I, you know, I love the freedom of being out and about with it. Um, one, of the, one of the good things about moving out here is that um, I'm hoping to go do a lot of my interviews um, in person. 
uh, to some, you know, many of the universities that are around, like NYU, Princeton. We have a lot of authors and um, editors who um, who work there, who are who are part of this whole, you know, poll. There's MIT in Boston. There's Harvard. There's and you know, even South, like Johns Hopkins, etc. So I'm I'm hoping that I'll be able to travel a little more and do this on site, which I find so fun to do yeah do you the, the i guess the stereotypical view of podcasters and and i fall into this sometimes i know is and we were talking about beforehand is you know introverted i'm doing this because <laughs> i don't want to sit and talk at the table or or yeah. in a room with a bunch of people and so i can control i can you know if at any point i get nervous about uh <laughs> some the conversation or whatever i can just kill skype and walk away and <laughs> i guess or whatever but uh but yeah, that idea of of having an in person, either in the studio or in the coffee shop or wherever you happen to do it, mm-hmm. um, is it, most of them thus far have been over Skype. I would gather is um, you're hoping to do it in more in person. Is that sort of the direction? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I've done a couple in person that you know, and I, I think I think there's a like a, it, for some reason it feels very natural. Um, very pleasant and, and, you know, you can see the person's reaction. So one of, one of the things that happens both in, in radio and, and in video um, is that, you know, when two people talk over each other, it becomes kind of messy sound wise. And so in video, you're taught to react quietly. You know, you nod, you smile, you, you know, you just kind of give them cues that are visual. Um, in, in audio, when you're far away, it's kind of harder to do that. Um, but I, you know, I, I find it kind of, I, I find it easier to do that when, when you're in person to be able to, um, to give them the cues that make a conversation a little bit more natural, um, in person. Yeah. Cause well, I mean, like say right there, you weren't sure if I was going to come back with a question or if I wanted you to keep, <laughs> keep going cause we can't talk to each other. For example. Or, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Insert awkward pause there. But, uh, yeah, that's, and that's a, detriment I think to a we were talking a bit about how I have things set up too and you know you're on a Skype computer a Mac mini on Skype that I don't have a video Mm -hmm. camera for so there's no I can't even if I wanted to even have the video going I can't actually see it um and I mean not that I couldn't ever set it up that way but it's just a little bit more work and so you don't and so um yeah you get a bit of that over talk and also awkward pauses that happen and and uh, which leads us I guess into editing do you use um what software do you use for editing so I actually keep it really, really, really simple. Um, for some bizarre reason, GarageBand has been kind of amazing. Uh, very basic, very simple. Um, I'm actually going to try to talk to Caleb a little bit about that too because um, I wonder if, you know, I could have more functionalities with, you know, something a little bit more elaborate. Um, but, you know, he's actually the one who said to me, he's like, you know, GarageBand has pretty much everything you need. I mean, my my kind of show doesn't involve a huge amount of editing a la radio lab or a la this American life. You know, it's, it's, it's very, it's, it's very much a conversation show and it doesn't need a lot. Um, but I, you know, I wonder if, if, if I could be doing more with something a little bit more elaborate, but yeah, so far it's just been garage band. Right. Yeah. That's, I think it's good to have that approach. I think too often we, uh, well, nerds definitely have the approach of like, I'm going to, if I need to spend more money in order to get a better thing, <laughs> I sort of fall <laughs> into that trap. And so it's good to have the restraint yeah. to, because it, it does kind of like, um, there is certainly things in the gap, but you know, you jump from $15 for GarageBand or else it's built into your Mac to begin with to $200 for Logic 
pro and, and things like that. And so you're kind of like, yeah, it's quite a jump. Yeah. And, uh, and especially when, you know, in our case, for a lot of podcasts, it's, it, it is really simple. And, and there are things that in your case that might make things go a little quicker, slightly quicker mm-hmm. if you're using something like logic. But obviously like I experienced today, it also ups the complication level of device drivers and, and things yeah. like that, that sometimes cause machines to crash and, I mean, don't get me wrong. GarageBand can be unpredictable. Yeah. Um, it's it's hard to understand its logic sometimes. But, you know, like you said, you know, it's just simplicity really makes things easier. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I use a lot of this gear, but I am not at all a techie person. I'm not at all a gear person. And and so, you know, having Caleb help me out with all this and and, and having tools that I can use very easily and very quickly um, makes my job that much easier. Well, it's kind of like, you know, your, your goal and what you enjoy in it, I would gather or from the way you're talking is the, you know, the conversation you're having, getting good questions or getting good answers out of the, out of the guest and, and then getting it out there to the world. Whereas it's not so much that you're into it for dialing knobs and <laughs> plugins no. and, and stuff like that, which that's, oh, I, man. yeah, I know enough to be dangerous with this stuff, but it's to me, I, in a perfect world, I, I would love to be able to just hand off the audio to someone and say, okay, you know, like what Mule does obviously at a bigger level, but like with hand it off to somebody and say, okay, make it sound really good. I just wanted to make the, the interview interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and then you guys. Why don't we, yeah, why don't we give for a producer? I got to say. Yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> but you need to know this stuff, you know, like I, 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 I berate myself because I, I do, I, it is a great skill to have to be completely independent and, and not have to rely on any, any bigger structure for it to know how to do these things. I just, I probably should probably kick myself a little bit more. <laughs> do you, uh, and so speaking of getting the shows or the, the interviews out, do you handle the web stuff and posting it and things like that and, and sort of the description and notes and stuff, or is that where you do get to hand it off to a online editor or whatever situation? Oh no, I do everything. <laughs> <laughs> I do every, I do the recording, the editing, and I think you can tell I do the editing because it's really not, like, I, I don't know, I, I struggle with that. I spend a lot of time trying to make it sound really good. And, it you know, I'm never happy, never, ever happy. Um, and, yeah, and then after that, I just, you know, I just writing the, uh, the blurbs that go with them and, and making sure that they show up on the website and online elsewhere, you know, so people know about it. I do, I do all of it. Awesome. Mm-mm. Well, I mean... <laughs> Obviously, it'd be awesome to have someone else do. Oh no, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah, no, but you know, but at least, at least I control that. Like, I, I, at least you know, there's no question. Um, you know, it happens sometimes when it's bigger teams where you're like, "That's not at all what the guy said." You know, like there's like shouting that happens and things like that. At least I control it from start to finish. There's yeah. no question about that. Because <laughs> looking at the website for it, not to go too deep down the the <laughs> rabbit hole, but like looking at annual reviews, the site, and I was kind of just glancing through this about us and team and, mm-hmm. you know it's quite a big crew of folks involved in it and obviously oh, yeah. it doesn't always get a good picture just on the website of what's actually going on behind the scenes but um yeah i wasn't sure what structure you're you're part yeah of. so so annual reviews itself is actually um so it's a non-profit it's about 70 people at this point uh it grew quite a bit in the last couple of years uh to, for do for doing what i what i do it's just me. Uh, there's another person called Andrea who does um, who does the video, who who does the kind of the project managing for a lot of the videos that we do. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, this whole thing about being online and, and trying to promote articles and authors, um, has been a fairly recent effort for annual reviews. Annual reviews has been around for 80 years. I mean, it's, you know, in the publication world, it's kind of one of the longest standing ones. And, um, and, you know, I was, I was hired to do a lot of the podcasting, but also, um, keep an eye on the news on a daily basis, you know, everything that has to do with social media, uh, make sure that, you know, that we're there, that we're talking, that, that we're, you know, covering, um, um, covering the science that is in the news and, uh, offering articles that are tied to that. Um, so, so it's, it's, it, it is a, it is, it is a big job. <laughs> I mean, if it were just podcasting, it would be, it'd be easy, but, yeah. but, but there's, but there's a lot more involved and, and I have, I'm very lucky to work with, um, um, with a boss who really kind of understands, um, what is required in, you know, the age of the internet and, and, and has a really good vision for what should be done. And so, and so I'm able to, you know, to do a lot of the things that, that I propose, um, which is, which is very lucky. It's, I have a great gig. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I was gonna say, no, not a lot of, um, I mean, podcasting, like I said before, it kind of comes and goes in terms of the, the overall like media acceptance or denial or, or whatever of yeah. it and uh, becomes a buzzword for a while. And, you know, there's a USA Today article just a little while ago about how it's now it's come podcasting has reached its whatever because, you know, celebrities and clear channel radio or whatever are doing podcasting now. And now suddenly it's it's good again or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. But still to have an organization such as yours or such as that one to as mm-hmm. annual review to, you know, recognize the value of, of the spoken word and, you know, whether it's like the NPR store style or more hobbyist style, but somewhere in between, you know, mm-hmm. that the value of having that out there as a as, as a medium, not just having a blog post interviewing so so and so. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the way I I, f- I forgot to prep you for this, I think, but uh, the way I often end the show is is just asking folks what podcasts they listen to, and then also just the app that they happen to listen to it on, just by way of interest. But, oh, um, I don't know if you have. Uh, something handy or your iTunes or whatever you happen to listen to in handy. But, uh, what, uh, I absolutely do. I, there's a, there's, um, a, a couple of podcasts that are, that I really, there's two professional ones that I'm, I'm, I'm devoted to. And I, I quoted them earlier. I cited them earlier. Um, this American life and radio lab. I mean, I'm, I'm very unoriginal in that respect, but the work that they do both on, um, on a production level and on a reporting level is amazing and something that everybody should aspire to. Um, and then on the, on the kind of more, uh, hobby, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of hard to say that because two of them are actually made by, you know, NPR, former NPR professionals. Um, one of them is decode, decode DC with Andrea Seabrook. And that's on the Mule Radio Network. I really, I really enjoy that. Um, another one that I absolutely enjoy um, and have found extremely useful, um, both as you know, on a personal level and um, as a woman, is the Broad Experience with um, Ashley Milne-Tite. I think she does a really, really beautiful job of, co- and she's she's former NPR as well, and you know, she does a really great job of um, of. Uh, bringing up the issues that, you know, women come upon in their careers, um, some of the obstacles. And she has really got me to think differently 
about my own career, about my own strategy for all this stuff. And, and it's been really great. Um, so these are the two semi-professionals I was telling you about. And um, another one that I listen to that I very much enjoy um, is uh, made by TJ Luoma and, um, and Lindsay, also on the Mule Radio Network called uh, Impolite Company. And it is about religion, which, you know, it's, it's weird, but it's, it's, it's a topic that I'm very, very interested in, especially because it's, it's such a tense thing here in the United States. Um, it's, you know, it, 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 it just kind of seeps through everything uh, from politics to economics. It's, it's crazy. So I, I really very much enjoy TJ. Um, TJ's very kind of level-headed approach to it. He's a, he's a pastor and um, he does kind of a great job of, of, of decoding a lot of these things um, for non-believers like me. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I remember seeing, yeah. you know, I probably saw it, uh, a launch announcement or whatever at some point to follow enough folks who are sort of connected or else I follow folks at mule and stuff like that and probably saw mm-hmm. it, but I never, you know, just don't always can't listen to everything, but, uh, Oh no. Yeah. Sure. Impolite company. Interesting. And I like their little, little logo artwork they have with the Bible on. The yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They, they do. So it's, yeah. So it's TJ Luoma and Lindsay Selders and, 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 you know, they're, the two of them are on opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of belief and faith. And, um, I think they, they, they talk about it in a way that I find, um, you know, completely accessible, very interesting and, and useful, you know, like to think, to think about things, just to think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's like, we joked beforehand, I think, you know, getting into a, a religious debate or a political debate for that matter on, on a podcast where often it's, you know, I, I'm not going to invite, most people don't invite somebody who they're going to have an argument with onto their own <laughs> podcast just, or whatever, but yeah, that's, yeah. And not, it doesn't sound like it's a argument each time, but to be able to actually just have a, an intelligent, rational discussion about things that <laughs> yeah. too often descend into arguments and shouting and hate. Yeah, absolutely. And so interesting. And so what do you, uh, when, what do you use to listen to your podcast when you, what app? I'm or, sorry? What app or, or piece oh, of software? Oh, yeah, that's to? right. Yeah, so I'm actually very old school like that. I use, I just use like I listen to it on my, on my phone, and I use the um, the kind of the Apple Podcast app. Oh, I thought that, when you said old school, I thought you were going to say like you make them into well, LPs and. <laughs> oh no no no! <laughs> Not that old school. Hey. No, no, just just kind of the iTunes podcast app. (laughs) Right. No, not that old school. I mean, I have to listen to them somewhere. That's an untapped market, I think, for podcasts. It's the whole like, you know, hipster radio or uh, LP (laughs) record. (laughs) Hipster (laughs) podcasting. I think that's going to make a comeback or uh, maybe not a comeback. but (laughs) Business idea. Everybody take note. Yes. Somebody send me a a check or something. (laughs) But that would be an interesting time constraint if you think about it, right? Like, yeah, you can't. You can't very go. You can go very much further. Like just at some point, you have to turn it. Yeah. Just turn the record. So. <laughs> and then you get the whole remixing of podcasts and scratching podcasts. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. I think that idea has run its course in the <laughs> two minutes we just talked about. <laughs> All right. And uh, where can folks uh, find you, follow you, stalk you on the web? Yeah. So I, I'm on Twitter. Um, it's at uh, Rasquet, so R-A-S-C-O-U-E-T. And um, I also do a little Tumblr blog with a couple of friends, one in London and one in Melbourne, called While You Were Sleeping, and it's whileyouwersleeping.tumblr.com. 
Um, and, you know, and your reviews and your reviews dot org. Nice. So that's pretty much where, where I am. You'll find me. <laughs> <laughs> cool. What's the premise on while you were sleeping? I guess it's just kind of like oh. stuff from that they're over there and they post something while you're sleeping. That yeah. I mean, the whole thing itself? started because Jason and I started flirting from afar and I would send him little emails, uh, you know, a list of 10 things that happened while he was sleeping. And that's how it got started when I was in London. And then when I moved to, so, but when I was in London, I asked my friend in Melbourne to do something like that. And, you know, we just started blogging together um, and I would wake up and there would be something there. And, and when I moved to San Francisco, I asked one of my friends to do it from London. So now when I wake up, there's something there <laughs> nice. from Melbourne and from London. That's the whole thing. Interesting. That's a yeah. great idea. And uh, I, I mentioned it on Twitter and before we'll wrap up with this, I guess, but I was going to ask you about your flight home that you tweeted. Uh, <laughs> about, uh, oh my God. Kid, or, well, not the kid so much as the, it's the mom. The mom, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's a, it's a really, like, I, I have to give you some context. I, I I had slept three and a half hours the night before, woken up at five, um, you know, ready to take the plane and kind of looking forward to chilling and sleeping on the plane. Although I have a hard time doing that, but I was hoping that, you know, I was so tired that I might, I might um, catch a wink. And um, I was sitting just in front of, a little boy who must have been four years old or so, who um, proceeded to start kicking my seat. And, you know, you don't say anything because he's a toddler and you kind of expect the mom to slow him down or at least tell him, you know, don't do that. Or, But no, that never, never happened. And not only that, it just kind of got bigger and bigger as the flight uh, went on, where I realized that she was actually... Uh, actively stimulating um, both her her boy, who's four years old, and his younger sister, who must have been like a year and a half or two or so. And you know, the thing is, I'm not I'm not a mom. I, I I've I've never actually had to parent. But there's one word that I heard my entire childhood, which you know, in a French word, which is uh, doucement, and can be translated into anything from softly to gently to slowly to, you know, just just a word that says you need to either slow down, I need to calm down, you need to be more gentle when you do this. And um, in six something hours of flight, uh, she never once used any of those words in the kind of lexical, lexical feel like it was it was it was bizarre. I'm like, how do you why do you what parent actively tries to keep their children excited? I mean, at some point, they're going to want to nap. At some point, they're going to have to slow down. At some point, you're going to want to take a break, too. Like, why are you actively encouraging them? This is crazy, you know? <laughs> and so it's just like, it, it just kind of got to a point where, like, when I landed, I hadn't slept. I hadn't done anything. I could see that people sitting around us were equally, um, equally aggravated and, um, she was loud. The two kids were loud. Not, she didn't do a thing to calm them down or try to kind of respect everybody's rest. Um, so it was, it was, it was shocking. Like, I had heard of stories like that of parents who like, who don't really, you know, or encourage that kind of stuff. I had never seen it in action and I was just in shock. It's like, this is just unbelievable. Well, as a, yeah, as a parent of, well, not three kids, but, um, I, I loved it cause it was like, 
I, I didn't think you guys had kids and I wasn't sure obviously what your mm-hmm. life exactly contained <laughs> as far as kids, cousins or nephews or whatever, you know, all that kind of thing. But it was like such a dead on common sense thing to me as a parent. It's like my worst fear of getting like, well, it's terrifying getting on on a plane to begin with with a, with a kid, especially a toddler. And then yeah. on top of that to have them like, and maybe this is part of being Canadian or part of being my background too, of like not wanting to offend anybody, but like having them upset someone else, let alone my own flight, which is going to be terrible to begin with anyways. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was just so funny. But I mean, but, but, but I mean, the thing is that to me, it's, it's not necessarily, you know, uh, being like you say, being Canadian and wanting to <laughs> apologize for everything. To me, it's just, it's, it's kind of common sense yeah. to, you know, there's a huge emphasis on calm, at least in France, like keeping children calm, et cetera. And, and I'm surprised that this isn't obvious to everybody because it keeps, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a good rule of thumb to keep, to keep children happy, to keep them in a calm environment instead of keeping them overstimulated, overexcited all the time and not getting them to think about other people ever. So it's, I mean, I, I, I see it. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I see a lot of my American friends are, you know, they completely see it. They completely agree with it. Like just parents, you know, and, and, and they do it with their children. And so I, I just, my heart melts when, when I see a mom tell her boy, you know, oh, do that gently, 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 you know, like it's not mean. It's just, and you would, you, I would never expect a toddler not to behave like a toddler. Of course, that's really not the issue. Like the, the flight that we took from San Francisco to to New York when we moved I had a little boy who must have been two years old or so it was an it, it was a red eye so like all night and the kid was completely agitated he couldn't sleep but the parents were so you know they were trying so hard to slow him down that I actually kind of I stayed up I didn't sleep but I helped them it was like let's try and keep him you know calm like he was climbing on my lap you know and I didn't mind at all because there was a clear effort to kind to kind of maintain calm around that. <laughs> that woman, she has no excuse. None. All right. Well, I gave you every opportunity. You, you emailed me about swearing <laughs> and whether I bleep or whether it's loud. And I gave you every opportunity to swear and then didn't even have to use the, the bleeper once. So, no. I know. Jason is going to be so proud of me. <laughs> me not swearing. I bet Jason is your husband. Obviously, that's who you keep referring to. Yes. Uh, but... Um, yeah, on that note, I uh, will have to end it, I guess. But I just wanted to commend you on uh, a lot of people who don't have kids have often no clue what it's like to fly with kids. And you, you obviously, you, I mean, you have a very level head as far as that goes. Going back to having, you know, good discussions about controversial topics, and I appreciate <laughs> your string of, despite being, you know, very frustrated, obviously, but understanding that ultimately it's this mom's fault for not taking care of her kid and. Anyways, yeah. we won't. You try, you try. Every podcast turns into a parenting podcast if there's a parent involved in some way. So <laughs> I apologize for dragging you into it. Um, oh, no, no, no. I, I have strong <laughs> opinions about that, I, as, you, as you probably know. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, thanks, Anna. And uh, thank you for listening to this. If uh, you have found this somewhere on the internet somehow, on iTunes or whatever, it's uh, available at ssktn.com. You can find all the links to the things we discussed in the show there. Um, like I said before, this is episode 29 of Show Me Your Mic. And uh, you can follow SSKTN on Twitter at SSKTN, facebook.com slash SSKTN. And I'm on Twitter at iChris. And uh, I think that's everything. Thanks for putting up with the technical difficulties of the, I guess, the. if you're listening to this later, you wouldn't know and nothing seems different. Apologies to the live listeners and to Anna for enduring the 
technical difficulties of this morning or this afternoon. There, that's how flustered I got. And uh, we will see you next week for episode 30. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Show Me Your Mic on the SSKTN Podcast Network. Follow along on Twitter at SSKTN or like us on Facebook.com slash SSKTN. Be sure to visit SSKTN.com for interviews with other podcasters, as well as learn about other shows we produce, such as Welcome to the Internet, Too Lazy to Blog, and Lost in Lemon. <laughs>